On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Grindhouse Girls friends and fam. South Korean film director Lee Chung-hun already had one short film under his belt when he decided it was time to tackle his feature-length debut. He knew one thing for sure, his debut would have to be a thriller because it was a genre he was most familiar with and he knew he would direct a thriller film well. Then he saw the 2011 film The Caller, a British and Puerto Rican co-production about two different women in two different time periods connecting by one phone. Before he knew it, he was acquiring the movie rights to start his own adaptation. His version of the film, The Call, was due to hit cinemas, but then the pandemic happened. Instead, Netflix bought the rights and the movie directly dropped on Netflix in November of 2020. Though Lee had anticipated his film to head to theaters and had prepped the sound design worthy of movie theaters, he instead had the opportunity to hear what people all over the world had to say about his movie. And now, you will hear what the GGP crew has to say too. So think twice before answering that phone. This is the Grunhouse Girls Podcast. This is Katie. And hi there, I'm Brittany. Welcome back. Yeah, and of course, uh, we are doing The Call, which is streaming on Netflix. It's a Netflix original film, I guess, because it debuted on Netflix, so. Yeah, that's always, you know, when streaming services first started, a lot of, like, the Netflix original or HBO Max original or Max originals, I was like, ah, they're really producing these. And then, honestly... Half of them are, like, acquired at, like, Sundance or something like that. And then they're just like, oh, yeah, it's mostly distribution rates. Yeah. So, but it's a... I feel like we haven't done one that's straight up on Netflix for a while. Yeah. Now that you mention it, I don't think we have either. I think lately we've been following into, like, a Shudder slash Tubi, mostly. Yeah. Is what it feels like we're doing. Maybe some Hulu here and there. But, yeah, not yeah. we haven't done Netflix in a while. So, even though we're mad at them right now... Oh, as yeah. performers. <laughs> they are really shitty to their actors. But hopefully in Korea, it's a different story. Yeah. At least it's a Korean film and not a, like an American-made film with SAG-AFTRA and WGA. So hopefully people get... I don't know what... The, I don't... You know what? I don't know what the inside information is in South Korean cinema. That's when it true. comes to, like, do, do they have... Um, unions? Do they have representation for their writers and directors and actors and performers? I don't know. Interesting question. I feel like I want to look into that because it is a huge movie making 
area. Like, they have a lot of films and a lot that have crossed over oh, to yeah. Western and other regions of the world. I mean, I think their cinema is some of the best cinema in the entire world. Some of them, yes. <laughs> Definitely, like, Parasite and Old Boy. Old oh, Boy, yeah. I mean, <laughs> shit. Uh, I know uh, it's not like... Handmaiden. Yeah, Last Train to Busan. Last Train to Busan. Yeah. Wouldn't put this one on the list. A little slight spoilers, in my opinion. But I will we'll say, get into the nitty gritty. This of isn't top tier cinema, but I had a lot of fun watching it. I wanted to like it so badly. <laughs> it wasn't that it. Well, in my opinion, this is a movie that has a really interesting concept mm-hmm. and has a really good uh, two main characters. And actresses. And it just was like the same thing happening over and over again. And I got bored. Okay. And then there were just so many different loops. Time loops. And I don't like time loop movies. Oh. Okay. So that's where it comes out. It's not time loops are not your favorite. The first couple loops I'm cool with. And then when it just loops over and over again, I'm like, okay, so... We just aren't going to, like, do anything else with this movie. We're just going to do the same thing over and over again. Okay. I get kind of bored. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. That is, like, definitely a preference now that you mention it. And I didn't realize, like... Oh. Wait, I should say, not counting Groundhog Day. Yeah, Groundhog Day. I don't consider that a time loop because you're not changing it and changing the past. It's more of the ones where people go back in time and I don't know. I feel like it's great for, like, a television show episode. So I like time loop stuff if it's happening, like, one episode. There is a really good episode of Supernatural, which was in the early seasons. And the early seasons of Supernatural has my heart. But there's an episode where uh, Sam wakes up and Dean dies every day. And, like, Dean keeps dying in, like, really crazy ways. And so it's, like, really traumatic for Sam, but it's really, really dark comedy. And I still think that's, like, one of the best Supernatural episodes there is. Yeah, I think I like the ones that are, like, repeating the same day and trying to change it. Those mm-hmm. I'm fine with, like, Groundhog Day. It's the oh! ones that are, like, Did I you like went it? back and changed this. I went to 1965 and changed it, and then I did. Like, I got kind of bored with the second season of Umbrella Academy with all the time loopiness. I was like, okay. Did you like Happy Death Day? No, I still haven't watched Happy Death Day. But I think I will like it when I eventually watch it. Like, that part, I'm fine with. I don't know. It's just, when when it becomes convoluted and it's just, like, subverting expectations to subvert expectations, it gets annoying for me and I just start tuning out. But I will agree with you that some time loop movies, it's more like, it's almost like what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Because, like, one of my mom's right. favorite movies when I was growing up was this movie called Somewhere in Time. And I do love this movie. It has, like, uh, Christopher Reeve in it. It's a beautiful romance. And back in the day, it was, like, critically panned because it was, like, very serious, very romantic film. And people are like, yeah, I don't like this melodrama. Now it's, like, a cult classic. But literally, Homeboy takes a penny. And, or not takes a penny. Homeboy dresses in, like, old-fashioned clothing and literally wills himself back into, like, the early 1900s. Just wills himself back. Like, he's just, like, basically puts his consciousness back in time. And that's how he goes Jeez. and finds it. Yeah, so it's, like, really interesting. So with a lot of these movies that do, like, have this, like, time travel or time paradox stuff going on, it's, like, the less that is explained, the better. 
Which is something, yeah. something even in this movie they do, which is where it's like two, spoiler alert, slight spoiler alert. So the two women are in the same house, they're using the same cordless phone and they're talking to each other 20 years apart. 20 years, but, yeah. Yeah, but they're not really surprised by it. They're not like, holy fuck. They just kind of like casually yeah. begin conversation. Like, like you don't even know yeah. what special circumstances are connecting them. Yeah, I just, and I will say, I watched the trailer for The Caller. So basically, like, the woman she's talking to on the other end in that movie is a woman who's much older than her, and she is kind of mean to her right off the bat, really antagonistic right off the bat. And, oh, Louise Guzman plays the neighbor who's, like, the role of the strawberry farmer. Yeah. But he's just, like, her neighbor who likes to garden in her apartment complex. So it was weird. And so it sounded like there were a lot of the same beats because they gave away a lot of the plot in the trailer, which I will say this movie didn't give a lot of the plot off in the trailer. But it did seem really silly because at one point she just screams at Stephen Moyer's character, you think I'm crazy, don't you? And I was like, oh, yeah, this would have been high camp. High camp. But I will say uh, this movie definitely, I think there's a better way of, surprising you with some twists yeah like there were twists i enjoyed but it was just kind of muddled in how many times is something gonna happen and like i don't know it was almost like ignoring the time loop aspect but then that was the whole point of the movie like because they didn't make a big deal about it but that was kind of the whole point of the movie and i was like you wouldn't question this at all i don't know yeah there's a lot of logical fallacies and a lot of just plot holes in this movie that bothered me. I will agree with the plot holes because I've had a few of those myself. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, it is still fun. Yeah. And I will say it's a great distraction movie. Yeah. So, like, if you just want to watch something on Netflix, it was entertaining to watch. I didn't get bored bored. I more got frustrated. I'm glad I watched it just because it's like, I, I like watching international films and I feel like I can never watch too many. And I feel like this would be like a medium level movie in yes. South Korea. I feel like I've been spoiled by the Korean High cinema. cinema I've watched. Yeah. Because I've only watched like very like high, like yeah, high, Park Chan, Park Chan, yeah, Park Chan Wook, yeah, and uh, Bong Joon Ho, and I've been like, <laughs> I've been like, oh, look at all this like amazing cinema, and I was like, you know what? I guess they just make regular movies in Korea too. And I, I just assumed that they were all just these beautiful works of art. I think it's very interesting because this is his directorial debut, and so I think he was like. Makes sense. He was 30 <laughs> when it was released, which, I mean, that's pretty That's pretty young for a director. And a lot, yeah. I don't know if you've seen a picture of the director, but he is a very handsome young man. And so a lot mm. of the interviews even were just like, handsome director talks about his movie. <laughs> Going back, just thinking about the call. And you, so my favorite outfit in this movie, since we were talking about fashion, is the purple dress. I, was, like, I yeah. love that one. Like, I was like, oh also, my God, like, the I dress. love how her fashion changes yes. when the world changes. Because like, you meet her and she has like that, like Baggy. short, angsty girl haircut. Yeah. Like, it's very like general. Like, I don't really care about my appearance, so I just 
chopped my hair off so I don't have to deal with it. Whereas when like her life is better, her hair is like long and flowing and she's got the cute bangs and everything. And she's got like this really like beautiful room and this beautiful flowy, brightly colored outfit and stuff. And it's very, and she almost looks like a different person. It's yeah. very interesting. She looks a lot more like her mother. And I, we'll, we'll get into that a yes. little bit with the plot. But yeah, she looks a lot more like her mother in the alternative world. Yes. Now, I think a big reason you picked this movie was one, it was on a bunch of lists. Mm-hmm. And two, it has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes yes. from the tomato meter. Yes. Which I'm confused about. I'm going to be honest. This is not, to me, a 100% movie. You know what? I actually didn't even read the reviews, though, because I didn't want anything accidentally spoiled for me. So I actually didn't read what gave the... Hun- I will say this before we get There's into There's only spoilers. 13 reviews. Yeah. But still, th- even 13 reviews at 100% is still pretty good. I mean, no one says it, said it was rotten. Yeah. I did read a couple of reviews, and but they were all very, like, general sounding. Like, they weren't very... In depth. In depth. Yeah. Because it's like, uh, from credits to the final frame, the call leaves a lasting impact. An almost congenital terror that's certain to break your heart and scare you senseless. Chad Collins, Dread Central. Hmm. It seems like everybody just kind of gave it a pass. And I don't agree with this. This movie breaks horror rules, but in an innovative way. The acting is was what carries the film, which I agree with, while the plot twists get muddled at times. But she still gave it a B plus. Yeah. Chauncey K. Robinson, the twisted girl next door. It's like, I feel like, well, like a lot of people gave it like a 3 out of 5 or a 7.5 out of 10, but it's got a 100%. I wonder how that's weighed then. That doesn't make sense. If it has yeah. threes and 7.5s, it still shouldn't be weighed as 100. You'd think it'd be weighed in like the 80s. I think you'd have to make it like a couple people make it rotten or whatever the middle one is. Mm. So, But the audience score is 78. Yeah. I think that's so. more agreeable for sure. Okay, that's weird too. Okay, so it says 100% out of 13 reviews and then it says 7.4 out of 10. Hmm. So wouldn't it be like 74? Yeah. That would make more sense. But anyways, I find that funny. (laughs) I was just like, what? But again, I do think it's a movie. I would say it is a fun movie to watch if you need something to watch and you want to watch some more Korean cinema. But I would say this is a more casual watch. Yeah, I would agree with that. Not a really cerebral watch and not in a bad way. Anyways, do we want to get a little further get down to business yeah so do you want to do you want to start us off a little bit well i guess we can start off with the director who wrote and directed this film but like we said Mm -hmm. it's based off the um the 2013 film the caller which the screenplay this movie's based on is by sergio caskey who wrote the lodge that we did. Oh, okay. A long time ago. And The Caller. And American Cousins was his other, like, very famous movie. Interesting. Um, but I was like, that's interesting, because we've already covered one of his movies. So, interesting. Yeah. And so, Lee uh, Chun-Hong is, uh, he wrote the 2020 short, oh my gosh, I just completely blanked on how to pronounce it. Hey. Bargain? No, uh, hey, hey, to old, take a, uh, H-A-T-E-U-E. 
O-T-A-E-K. The only short film I wrote down was Bargain. Uh, so, yeah, Bargain he wrote and directed, but it was that he, he wrote, this was, like, one that he wrote, not directed. Because, mm. yeah, Bargain was the first film he, like, it's a short film, but he directed it, but he wrote the, hey, I feel so bad. I really need my friend Steven here. <laughs> Steven would be shaking his head in disappointment. Steven! But he also... Oh. He does have a follow-up film that's post-production. He wrote and directed the 20 upcoming uh, film Ballerina, which is not to be confused with the Ballerina that's going to be a John Wick spinoff. It's not that Ballerina. Uh, but he is directing the movie Ballerina that's a revenge tale. And it's actually starting the actress Jeon Jung, who plays Jung Suk in this movie. So he will be reuniting with that actress, who's also his girlfriend. They started dating. Oh! Yeah, they started dating after this movie came out. But yeah, did you want to tell us the lead actress in this movie? I did, but before that, I thought it was cool that the music is by Dal Palan, mm-hmm. who also did the music for The Wailing. Oh, that is cool. And there's a movie that I haven't watched yet, but I've seen on a lot of lists of like Korean cinema to watch called The Good, The Bad, The Weird, and also Believer and A Bittersweet Life. So I was like, oh, that's cool. So we've got two main characters. Uh, we already said Jong Jong Soo as Young Suk. Who was in Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon. Yeah. And a movie called... And Burning. Yeah, Burning is where he saw her. Like, basically, he saw her acting in Burning. And he had cast uh, Park first. And um, he was like, oh my gosh, her acting style really reminds me of Park. I wonder if she'd be willing to play this other character. So Burning was what kind of put her on his radar. And that movie was really popular last... the la- Two years ago? Last year? Mm-hmm. And a couple of years ago, and Steven Yeun's in it, too. Oh, yeah. So, he he plays, like, it's like this guy and this girl meet Steven Yeun's character, and he kind of seems like a bit of a shyster. Mm. And the guy isn't falling for it, and the girl is, I think. And so, it's like a thriller. Okay. Um, which I have not gotten to watch yet, but it's been on my list, but... It played in a few cinemas here, and I think it either got nominated for an Academy Award or it was shortlisted for an Academy Award. And that character, she's, well, I would call her a troubled 28-year-old woman in 1999 who's recently been released from a mental health facility and is in the care of her stepmother, who is a shaman and who often seems to mistreat her. Yeah. And and then we also have Park Shin-hye, as Su Hyun, tw- another 28-year-old woman in 2019 who is still affected by the loss of her father um, from a fire and has a strained relationship with her sick mother, which brings her back to her childhood home. She was in Miracle in Cell Number 7, mm-hmm. a series called Pinocchio, another Korean series called Airs, and a movie that I've heard of but haven't watched yet called Hashtag Alive. Okay. Which I think is streaming somewhere because I feel like it came up and everyone was like, you know what? And I was like, that that name is stupid. But maybe it'll be fun. Also, if it's a Korean movie, maybe just the translation title was stupid. Because sometimes they translate things into English and I'm just like, what? Yeah. Versus like the same thing. Like there's some movies that like the literal, there's no literal translation in like French. But so like the literal translation is really weird sounding and you're like what what yeah and then we've also got so yun's mother i'm not really sure i've never seen this name before hyun is i think technically her name yes 
in the movie. I don't believe the her dad ever gets mentioned by name. At least I did not write that down. But she's played by Kim Sung Hyun. Ryun? Ryung? Yeah. Rung or Ryung? R-Y-U-N-G. Steven, if you're listening, please correct us what did ever okay next time we do a korean movie we need to actually like ask steven how to pronounce things we always think about it like while we're recording yeah um <laughs> um she is awaiting surgery for i do believe a brain tumor and she is a widow and has a strained relationship with her daughter she was also in the airs tv series yeah another tv series called the chaser and another tv series called queen of ambition so it seems like she's a big korean uh television so yeah but earlier in her career she won the miss korea beauty pageant and she later represented her country at the miss universe pageant i believe that Mm -hmm. she's yeah she's beautiful she was in because i will say oh good she was in many films at the start of her career but she's now no form tv work like in her 40s and 50s she does a lot more tv work she also like it's interesting because she plays this character at multiple ages and so, like, when you first see her, she's kind of, like, homely looking because she's in a hospital. And, like, nobody looks cute in the hospital. Um, but then, like, when you see her, like, in, like, the younger version of her, she's very fashion forward and, like, very well dressed and, like, very pretty. And it, it's very interesting that that actress did a really good job visually changing. Yeah. So we got Park Ho-san as Soo-hyun's father, who I do not believe they give us his name all we really know about him is he's seemingly a very nice man um and he died in a fire when Yun was 10 and he was in the prison playbook series lawless lawyer series and project wolf hunting a movie and then we've got lee l as young sook's mother who's the shaman she was in guardian the lonely and the great god series uh, it's a long title. The Greatest Divorce series and Happy Battle series. So also a lot of television work, which is cool. Like, honestly, like Korean te- cinema, uh, television seems to have like kind of like British where it has like shorter seasons. Yeah. So like you can do a lot more of them. And then an, a slightly familiar face. We have Moon Chang Gil as the jet collector, who was also in The Wailing as the dermatologist. And remember in Svaha, the sixth finger, which honestly that name intrigued me. I was like, what do you mean the sixth finger? What the hell? I'm confused. Um, and then last but not least, I had Oh Jung Si as Sung Ho, uh, who's a local strawberry farmer and neighbor to Siyon and seems to be like a family friend. And he was in a show that I have watched, It's Okay to Not Be Okay, yeah. which is on Netflix, Cobweb, Switch, and Swing Kids. So, I really, I haven't finished It's Okay to Not Be Okay. I got, like, four episodes in or five. So, I need to actually finish that series. But it was really fun and cute when I watched it. I recommend it. Yeah. Are we ready for the rundown? Yeah, I can give the rundown real quick. When she loses her cell phone, Seo Young finds an old cordless phone in her rundown childhood home. When she answers a call from a young woman named Young Sook, who is being abused by her stepmom, the two young women form a connection when they realize they are in the same house using the same phone, except 20 years apart. As Su Young tries to improve life for her friend in 1999, Young Suk tries to change the future of her friend. Soon Sia Young will realize one thing, that some phone calls are better left unanswered. Ooh. 
So we kind of spoiled a little bit, but this is official spoilers. Yeah. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, go watch it on Netflix. At least in America. I assume everywhere, probably. Yeah. I think it's like a an hour and 47 minutes long, so under two hours. Like, So not yeah. like a super long film. It felt longer to me, but... Taylor actually did say that same thing, though. He's like, it feels longer. I think it's because of how many times the time loopy stuff happens. I think, honestly, if they had done two less time loops, I would have felt like the movie was the right length. Yeah. I like the premise of this movie. I like the fact that it's like... Two people living in the same house, 20 years apart from each other, are having a phone conversation. That's fun. I like that. Like I said before, it sounded like the lake house, but with murder. And that all I like. And it is kind of interesting because you meet Soyeon. You meet Soyeon and she is very mean to her mother who is very sick and you also meet her friend Sung Ho, who is a strawberry farmer next to her. And he seems really nice. And it seems like maybe they, you know, grew up near each other and, like, friend. And, um, you know, she realizes she left her cell phone on the train. And he, like, offers to give her his, which is very sweet of him. But I, they don't ever, like, have, like, a romance for either of the characters. Which, on one hand, I appreciate. Because I feel like there's a lot of movies that, like, would waste a lot of time with that. Yeah. But I couldn't figure out if there was supposed to be something more going on with him and her. I don't think so. If he so. was just supposed to be a friend. No, because he's like but. he's like at least what would you say fifteen years older than her? Which I mean, I'm not saying that you can't have. I guess so. Yeah. I guess he is older than her. Yeah. yeah, you're not. It's not like you can't have an older yet man, young woman. You see that all the time, especially America cinema. But um, I don't. That's when well, she's twenty eight, so it's not like she's like a kid. A kid. But I, just, she, I thought she was like an 18 year old at first, and then she's like, I'm 28. And I was like, all right. I do actually. You have great skincare. I do actually like that this is a family focused film, though. Like, it's like her family. It's the most. It's not like finding a love interest, finding a husband. It's, fi- yeah. it's being with her family. It's like a very key thing in this movie. I like that. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was a good not distraction. Mm-hmm. Also, maybe. I feel like both of these women aren't really in the point in their life where they even would have a relationship. Yeah. Gonna say, honestly. So you meet him and and she seems really mad at her mom. And um, when she gets the first phone call, it's really weird. And no one's really like, they, they think they're calling the wrong people. And so, you know, it seems like a, just a mistake. And then she figures out there's a hollow wall in her house. And she finds this box of stuff, and it's all young Sook stuff. And so she ends up, like, telling her, like, I think I'm living in the same house you lived in. And here's all this information. And, like, she's like, I'm reading out of your diary. And she's, like, really freaked out. But that's about all the freak out they get. Once they've ascertained that this is happening, they kind of, like, forget about that and become best friends. Yeah. Which is cute. It's a cute little montage. Yeah, like, they're like, oh, she's trying to explain to her, like, oh, yeah, you know, you can do everything on your phone. You can shop on your phone. You can do this. And you can do, like, a FaceTime call where you can see each other while you talk. So she's just, like, walking her through, like, 20 years of technology, as you do. So Yeah. And they both, like, share, like, uh, Young Sook really likes this metal band and this very specific one. And so she finds a recording in the future, like, that's on YouTube, and plays it for her so she can record it. So, basically, yeah, they become friends, and then she's telling her about her dad dying. 
her dad dies young, so she gets in her head, Young Suk does, to get in her head that she can maybe save her dad. So she sneaks out of the house, goes to the apartment, and stops the stove from going off, which I guess this blows and kills her dad. So when she realizes she can change the future, she's like, okay, that's interesting. And then it's like she, I think the girls are in the middle of a conversation and she gets pulled off by her stepmom. And when she gets pulled off by her stepmom, that's when she gets worried and she looks up what happens to her. And then that's when she finds out about the murder. Right. So then, so you're to believe that the stepmother is the one who's evil. And so she pulls a hobbits in the Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Rings and puts a pillow person on there. And the stepmother tries to kill her. And then she's like, why did you do that? And instead of calling the police, she just kills her stepmother instead. A little bit of overkill. With a fire extinguisher, which apparently becomes her calling card, because she, like... Which is a weird thing, because it would just make you cold. It wouldn't, like, hurt you. But I was like, okay. I mean, work. That's that's your M.O. And then she starts kind of revealing that she's not a very good person, Young Suk. And so now she's the antagonist. And you thought that the stepmother was the antagonist the whole time. So I did like that subversion of expectations. I was like, okay. So that's a, I liked that twist. I was like, oh, so she's kind of not a good person. And there might be a reason why the stepmother was keeping her in the house because she was keeping her from hurting herself or others. But she was also being super, super abusive. It's kind of a gray area. I'm not really sure... No one really seems to be a 100% good character, which is fine. It's at least interesting. But, like, you would think that the main characters, one of them would be like, oh, good versus evil. But it's kind of, like, mildly good versus chaotic evil. Basically, that's the whole issue is that she... They're starting... (laughs) She's starting to realize she's... Because... Obviously, also leading up to her rescuing her dad and before she kills her mom, it's like she feels like she's ungrateful because she's suddenly spending more time with her father that, keep in mind, has been dead for all these years. So she's like calling, 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 and she's not answering. So she's just getting slowly more irritated. And this is when you really start to think, okay, like something's going on here because she's like has gummy bears, but she's just biting off the heads of the gummy bears, and she, yeah, there's, like, something kind of weird going on there. So, yeah, after this Mm -hmm. whole thing happens, she murders her stepmom. She's not telling her the truth, so she's, like, you know, she's like, oh, me and my mom just had a misunderstanding, everything's fine, she's reassuring her, and everything's not fine, because basically she kills the poor strawberry farmer. And of course, our our main protagonists are, um, he, uh, Seo Yeon realizes because the strawberry farmer is visiting her mom and dad. And then she goes downstairs and he's suddenly gone. And she's like, what the hell is happening? And so she calls and tells her, yeah. like, hey, like, he didn't do anything. He's an innocent man. Yeah, and also the way, the reason she kills him is because he finds her mom's dead bodies parts Cut up. in the fridge. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting and fun. And also the fridge becomes part of her MO. Yeah. So she kind of ends up uh, putting her in this weird predicament of, like, She's like, you know, and I know you're going to be caught. And she's like, what do you mean you know I'm going to be caught? And so she kind of, in confronting her, accidentally gives away too much information. So it's like, well, you 
bitch. Like, she starts calling her this, her, this, a bitch and everything. And she's like, you need to just, like, fucking tell me how I get caught. And, uh, yeah, she understandably gets freaked out, unplugs the phone, and then, uh, doesn't realize that her past self, her eight-year-old self, has a connection with her because they're looking to buy the house. Mm-hmm. So... Dad gets killed, and because Dad gets killed when she's a child, he disappears completely. While they're driving. While they're driving, yeah. Which was kind of interesting, because then she's just, like, alone in a tunnel. I will say, the way the time loops are shown, it's very pretty, but it's kind of confusing, because, like, everything changes instead of just, like, a person disappearing. It's like everything rearranges and stuff, and I was like... I don't know if it was illustrated well about what exactly was happening to me. What bothers me, too, is that she has no, like, idea what, like, she has a vague understanding of what's happening, but she has no, yeah. like, she has no memory or recollection of it. So you think if you live this life, you would suddenly have all these, like, years of experience. Like, if something, like, hit you suddenly, you're like, oh, my God, like, memory overload, sensory overload, but none yeah. of that. She's like, what the yeah. fuck is going on? She knows her dad must be dead, but doesn't obviously know why or how. She just assumes it's young right. Sook and it is, so. Yeah, it's very, yeah, there's just, like, not a lot of stuff, like, talked about. And, like, when uh, Sung Ho, like, disappears, like, she does ask her parents about him, but they're like, what are you talking about? And, like, then the strawberry farm is, like, derelict and stuff. But, like, she doesn't, like, press anybody for the information or anything. Yeah. She does eventually go to the police station, though, but that's because Young Sook is like, you better go get me the evidence. Or, you know, she doesn't say it like that. Yeah. But, you know, she's like, you gotta go get it or else I'll do stuff. So now she's being held hostage by this person. And then at some point, she lets off, they're, like, fighting, and Young Sook's like, well, you're just like me. And she's like, what are you talking about? And so apparently the mom wasn't the one that left the stove on. The mom actually turned the stove off before she left the house. Uh, Sung So Yoon turned it back on. Yeah. Now, this is a question that I wrote down. Is she really responsible or was she just a kid? Because then she apparently lied to all the paramedics and stuff and said that her mom left it on. But do you think she remembered doing it or do you think she just wasn't thinking? I think because you see for an instant that she's watching some kind of tar- cartoon that's talking about stove safety. And I think what it is is that she thought she was turning it off, maybe. So I think she maybe. she got confused. And because of that, in her little head, she really did believe that her mom left it on. But really, she flipped it back on. It's kind of like when you're a little kid and like you, you may see something on TV. You try to recreate it, but you don't really understand the steps of what's going on. Yeah. So I think it's her truth. But at the same time, it's the wrong truth. Um. I guess the part, this is where it gets really convoluted because, like, so her mom's still there, but her mom's not sick anymore, which that part's good. So then Young Suk has, has killed the dad and has kidnapped eight-year-old uh, Suyun, and Suyun is, and she burns her, and then present day Suyun is getting the burn yeah. scars. And so, and the mom doesn't know yet because the mom was at the real estate office and the dad and the daughter went by themselves, which also, why would you go into someone's, like, I know that you are buying that house, but you don't know the daughter of the woman you're buying the house from. You met her briefly and your daughter said she's scary. So to me, I was like, I would have never gone into their house. Polite society, right, though? I suppose. 
the puppies agree as well. So we've got that going on. And then at the same time, Soyeon is trying to figure out a way to stop her. So she sends her, she tells her false information about how she's caught in the future. And she says that the junk man who lives in this specific area is going to find the knife you used. And so she goes to this place, but actually it's a place that had an explosion that day. And she almost kills Young Sook, but she doesn't quite, which leads Young Sook to start kidnapping and, you know, hurting her in the past, which is really sad because she's like an eight-year-old child, which is really, really shitty of her. And she's like in the basement and then her mom comes and so she's reading this police notebook she's, like, stolen from the present-day police. And she's, like, trying to figure out the clues. And so it gets written on every time something else changes. And I don't know what loop iteration we're on right now. But then the mom picks up the phone. And so Yuna is like, hey, mom. Which, of course, she doesn't believe it's her daughter. But she's like you know, this is what's going to happen. Protect yourself. And then the police officer gets stabbed. So she fights her off and ends up saving her while Young Sook is calling her. It's very confusing. There's like eight different versions of everybody going on. And it is like a cool fight sequence. And the mom does end up saving her. And so then you have this really sweet scene where Soyeon goes to her dad's grave in the present day and thinks that young Sook has been defeated. And so she's mourning her dad and then her mom shows up and her mom isn't sick anymore. And is kind of like a, in between her younger self that was very fashionable and her older self, which is just like an older version of the fashionable self. Yeah. And she's covered. So she in, doesn't look as sad. She's covered in like hand she scars. Has scars everywhere yeah. from stopping the attack. And then I was like, and it made me terrible about it. I was like, oh, that's cute. Okay. And then they did, they, oh, oh, this is this is probably what irked me the most. It was like when Nope had that extra tagged on ending, this is how this felt. It was tagged on just for shock value because then like the mom just disappears because apparently Young Sook called herself in the, so Young Sook, is in present day as a serial killer and she has a thousand refrigerators with body parts in it. And so in one of, in the, the final reality present day. And so that version takes a break from the fight to call the past version and tell her about the mom coming. And then she apparently kills the mom and kidnaps present day Suyun who is in the basement now. And that's when the movie ends. And see, I didn't know that I didn't like this part either because it's like, it's a perfectly lovely ending. It could have wrapped up with the two women like walking away from the cemetery and then they had to do that. And I didn't like it either. But I'm like, also, is it that she's just, because how does she end up back in the basement? Or is it like, so does she re like, does she re loop in the basement? Or is it the eight year old has constantly been in her basement and she's. Which doesn't make sense because yeah. she's in the graveyard and she doesn't disappear, only the mom yeah. does. It's a lot of plot. I feel like, I feel like this was like, and I haven't seen the original movie, so I don't know if it also has a twist when I've only seen the trailer. But I feel like this is like the ending of Nope, where like everything's settled out and then you have this like weird twisty ending for no reason. And it didn't feel very natural or good. And the rest of the movie was superb, but it was just like, 
And I had a feeling, which I might be wrong about, because I don't think I've heard Jordan Peele confirm or deny this, that it was probably the studio saying, we need a twist, you know? Because Us had a bunch of little twists. Not Us. Get Out had a bunch of little twists. And so I'm talking about Us. So I felt like this was a studio decision, but maybe not. Maybe it was the writer's decision to just be like, oh, and we got to twist them. And I think that was what everyone was talking about was like, ooh, the twist. But I was more interested in the twist that the person you think is the antagonist isn't a big threat. And the person who you think is one of the main characters uh, and one of the protagonists is actually the antagonist. Like, that to me, because they kind of set up that the the stepmom's going to be the serial killer and not Young Sook. And so I I was happy with that twist. I didn't need an extra twist on a twist on a twist. So it was just kind of disappointing. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, my God. It annoyed the shit out of me. And see, I was, like, okay with a lot of the twists. I I do think it's interesting in retrospect that when she dumps the boiling water on her, like, because it's, like, obviously she's big enough of a bitch that she doesn't care that she's injuring an eight-year-old. I think it's interesting right. she didn't, like, pour any on her face. Like, I thought that was, like, really interesting. Like, I mean, now, I know for mm-hmm. practicality, that's a lot of makeup if someone has to do burn mm-hmm. on their face. But it's, like, just little stuff like that. Why doesn't she remember uh, any of the events that happened? I don't know. I thought it was fun. I keep coming back to that. It's not a perfect movie. There's a lot of plot holes. But I, I just no, thought it was, it was a fun movie. But I did hate the ending. And I, you know me, sometimes I don't mind, like, a nihilistic ending. If the choice is valid, this yeah. doesn't seem valid. This just seemed lazy. No. That's what, like, people in college used to say that I just liked happy endings. And I was like, no, I like earned endings. And there were several plays that we read that just ended. Yeah. And they didn't resolve anything. And I was like, well, then why did I watch this play for two to three hours if you weren't going to give me an ending? You know, g- give me something. It doesn't have to be happy. But, I mean, The Wailing doesn't have a happy ending, but at least the ending was good and interesting. Yeah. I don't... A twist for the sake of a twist isn't interesting. It's just a twist. Yeah. And that's that's what bothered me is it didn't feel earned at all. And it was very much just, like, lazy. And it, But maybe there are people who just like twists upon twists upon twists. And if you like that stuff, then, yeah, you'll probably like this maybe. But I didn't very much. But I liked the acting. I think that especially the two main actresses are are very strong. And I do like the like that. I like how they kind of lull you into a false sense of security with Young Sook because she does seem like she is just mistreated and abused by her stepmother and that she's actually like could be a great person. But she does have the choice when she tricks her stepmother into not stabbing her, she could have called the police. And still had her arrested. But she doesn't. I also wonder, Which, like, where, like, I know, like, not every loose end has to be, like, figured out. But I still, like, what happened to her dad? Because even if just knowing it was her dad died, and that's why she was left in the care of her stepmother. Or if, like, maybe it's, it's later. Or did she kill yeah, her Yeah, like, that would have been, like, something interesting, And that's why too. she went to the mental health facility. Yeah. Like, even if it was, like, deemed. Maybe she was incarcerated. Even if it was deemed accidental, maybe. Like, you know, like. Yeah. 
the thing that like bothered me is so I knew there was like some kind of serial killer twist like going into this movie. Like I didn't know that she was going to be the serial killer, but I thought it would have been more interesting if somehow if changing the timeline of events that it was like she was murdered. Like let's say that Young Sook was murdered in 1999 and then so it's like basically uh Young is trying to undo what she accidentally Well, she caused. was. Yeah, but I mean, like, so... In the beginning. So, but rather than her being the serial killer... Oh, but killer, you're saying from Soyeon. Yeah, so rather than her being... That, rather than Young Sook being a serial killer, I wish that somehow her changing the events of her father living had unleashed another serial killer to kill Young Sook. Like, I wish that, like, basically yeah. there wasn't... I don't... I didn't want her or to... Or there be, were more yeah. consequences to her dad living. Yeah. Because it didn't really seem... It only changed things for the better. Yeah. And I kind of thought she was going to have to choose between keeping her dad alive and k- defeating Young Sook. But then they just killed the dad off. And I was kind of like, well. It's kind of. I mean, that was kind of silly. It's kind of like another time travel movie about time, which is like a romance film. But, like, basically mm-hmm. he learns he can time jump and he changes one incident and he goes back to his present time and he has, like, a different child. And his dad, who's a time traveler, was like, yeah, you have to be really careful because, you know, you change one event, you have sex on a different day, it's a different sperm, it leads to a different child. And he's like, I need to get back to my child. And I mean, that's a very, very small thing that happens in that movie, but it seems like that makes more sense that there's a ripple effect, even for, like, the smallest event. It didn't seem like a ripple... They weren't very specific with the ripple effects, and it was very hard to determine what was happening and like i guess that's why i don't like these time loopy ones because when it's so many time loops because and like going into the past to change the future because unless you're very specific and 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 pay a lot of attention to it it just is convoluted it doesn't make a lot of logical sense and you kind of need logic when you're talking about an illogical thing if that makes sense it's just a little messy it's messy. I liked them talking to each other, but I didn't like their future selves interacting at all, frankly. I wish that had never happened. Yeah. Also, like, none of the characters, the two main characters, ended up not being super likable. In the ending, like, I wasn't really sure who we even were supposed to root for. I mean, obviously, Young Sook's, like, murdering people for fun, so not but it's her. almost like she's so pretty, like, someone else brought up. They're like, <laughs> she's so pretty. Who cares, like, if she kills some people? It's <laughs> <laughs> but the people who are but dead. It's like, that's like a big thing it's like just casting these antagonists but they're really attractive and you're just like you knew what you were doing though yeah so oh yeah i will say it was an interesting visual when uh so young goes into like present day young sook serial killer young mm-hmm. sook and like her whole kitchen and living room is, like, filled with refrigerators. Yeah. And I was like, man, that electricity bill must be out the wazoo. Mm-hmm. Um, just filled with body parts. And I was just like, I don't... That's just a lot of maintenance. And all this time, it's that. like no one... Like, no police officer, there's a serial killer on the loose, and they haven't fought to, like, check, like, the old dilapidated house, you know? Yeah, and they haven't been like, wow, this house is a lot of energy use for 
one person who lives there. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's kind of suspicious because we haven't found anybody's bodies. We just have all these missing people and they're all from this area. Weird. It's also an isolated, like, rural area. So there's not that many houses out there anyways. So it's silly that she hasn't been caught yet, yeah. honestly. Yeah. It was just very, like, meh. Especially, okay, so going back to that, so it's amazing she's not caught after killing her mom when the police officer literally catches her in a lie about when her mom leaves. Because she's like, oh, it was mm-hmm. two days ago. And then she's like, oh, yeah, he must have come by yesterday He's and gave the strawberries to my mom. And he's like, yesterday you said she left two days ago. She's like, oh, I guess it was yesterday. So it's like he caught her in a bold-faced lie. And still she somehow yeah. is murdering years later. Yeah. No one came back and was like, that was yeah. weird. Yeah, I don't. No, it's very weird and just like, yeah, there's just a lot of plot holes, but I don't know. I feel bad for so young because she really thought that she was helping by telling her that her stepmom was going to kill her. But then I think the stepmom thinks she's going to say, technically, I guess the stepmom did save a bunch of lives by killing her and there which seems like the wrong way to look at that but yeah that's how it's presented in the movie and i don't really know if i like that either because it's almost like no. condoning the it's condoning the stepmother's evil towards her rather than like it taylor yeah. did say well you know obviously they tried to get her help she did come out of rehab i was like i don't think they were getting her the right kind of help though if she was sent home only to be killed by her mom in the name of like justice but that's the thing because there's even like a part where there's a girl, and I don't know her name, I, I can't, I couldn't find the character's name, and I just forgot. But it's like, basically, there's a girl that sneaks her candy, and she was, like, hurt by Young Sook. And she's like, if it wasn't for her mother, she probably would have killed me. Because she's, like, works in the convenience store. So, yeah. and it's like, but once again, I don't really like, I don't really like that justification of, like, oh, well, it was okay for right. her. Yeah, and it's also a little bit, like, crazy people be crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's very, like... Once Young Sook's mental health state deteriorates, she becomes kind of like classic movie crazy person. And, oh, I guess this was made back in 2019, 2020. But I mean, like, we've come really far with mental health awareness. You know, I don't think it's interesting or fun to look at somebody and make them a one-sided character just because they're mentally ill. Because obviously she is. But they kind of just make her kind of almost like, I'm just a crazy serial killer. Now, she changes her entire attitude, too. She's just like, hey, coppers, I'm just hanging out here with dead bodies, blah, blah, blah. You know, and she's like, it's just weird. I don't know. I did like, she made some cool fashion choices, though. She went shopping The wig was on point. Yeah, she looked very cute. I'm kind of tired of the, the crazy person's just crazy now twist because i'm like i i prefer stuff like mr robot where there are many facets to his personalities i do appreciate that this wasn't a oh i have multiple personalities twist because i cannot fucking stand that anymore i used to be very intrigued with it and then the more i went into the actual diagnosis for that disorder i was like huh yeah, this is much more complicated than that. And it's not just like, oh, I killed somebody, but only one of my personalities remembers. It's also like schizophrenia. A lot of people, like, I, you know, you watch A Beautiful Mind and he's like seeing these people walk around. And that is not how it happens in real yeah. life. Like, most people don't 
visually hallucinate, it's usually a voice or voices. And it's usually more like a radio tuner that won't turn off. Where it's just like, I mean, being somebody who definitely has some attention deficitness, I've never been diagnosed, but it's pretty obvious I have some kind of it. I definitely feel that because sometimes my brain acts like that, but I don't hear voices, but it's like, you know, you're changing channels too often. But I will say there's some great YouTube videos from some mental health communities that have made like a day in the life of like what it's like to deal with dissociative identity disorder or schizophrenia, which has been researched by people with it and stuff. So it's a little, I'm glad it didn't have that twist. Yeah. Cause that's a little lazy now. I don't know. It's just been done. So anyways, sorry, I went on a rant. Was there anything else we missed? Not really. I think that covered like a large majority of it. So was there anything you loved that we didn't talk about or hated that we didn't talk about? Uh, I actually thought for the most part, the pace of the movie was pretty good. Like I actually, I know you and Taylor both had the critique that it seemed longer than it did. And I, I could kind of see that in the latter half of the movie, but I thought it kind of was ramping up to a good point through a good bit of it. So yeah, I don't know. Like I said, um, don't have a lot to say about this one i did think it, <laughs> i think it was cool that he did say because in the original movie of the caller you never well i don't know about the end of the film but the large majority of the film you only see you only hear the voice you don't ever see the other person on the line so oh, yeah interesting yeah so i actually kind of like that aspect because it's just like well you know no wonder she thinks that she's like feels like she's going crazy so uh he did mention that he was inspired he was like i was actually inspired by kill bill because he's like i want a female antagonist and he's like, I really like the female antagonists in Kill Bill. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Gogo Yubari over in Ishii. I feel that. They're pretty mm-hmm. awesome. So, yeah. So I can even see a little bit of Gogo, I think, in uh, Young Sook's character once I read that. I was yeah, like, okay. I can see yeah. that. So, I mean, I think his heart was in the right place. Maybe, maybe he should have had like a second reader on the script, but his casting choices were solid. Yeah, I think the cast was really yeah. good. Yeah, I think the film quality was good. Yeah. yeah. The cinematography was pretty. I liked the locations they used. The only thing was the transition of the, like, time loop changes was kind of goofy. It was a little too much CGI, I think. I think we could have been simpler with it and not overdone it, and it would have looked a little cleaner. Yeah. But that's a... That's a very picky take. So what did you rate this movie? Uh, I actually gave it a 6.5. Okay. I gave it a 5. (laughs) I would say totally worth uh, an afternoon of I want to watch a slightly spooky movie, but not sure what to watch. It also, like, wasn't very scary. Yeah, it they they actually did like pull away from a lot of the violence. I recognize that too. Like you really don't see her like actually stabbing people, burn anybody, or stab people. Yeah, it's just not very scary. Like if it was like even if it it didn't even have a jump scare, which usually I hate jump scares, but like it could have used a couple jump scares. Gonna be honest, just to have me go ooh spooky because I don't know. I love having like a good jump, a well timed jump scare. And doing a little bit of a, like, a, oh, my God. 
And then like, okay, back to normal. So it could have used one. Uh, what was your um rating, your Grindhouse Girls rating? Uh, I had two. I wasn't like in love with either of them, but I rated it C for cordless phones, childhood homes, and chickens. And then mm-hmm. I also rated it S for serial killers, shamans, and step parents. Okay, so I had rated S for shaman strawberries and serial killers. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So I feel like we have to do an, a, an yeah. S. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I like that. Some combo. <laughs> there you go. I don't know. I would say, like, again, if you have Netflix and you want to watch, like, a thriller, I would think this is a good one to watch. I, I do think I would recommend it for, like, a lazy afternoon or evening kind of movie. And so I'm excited because we finally get to do a movie that we've been talking about doing since we started the podcast. What episode was it where we went on a, on a tangent? Definitely back in the first season. I know that. It yeah. may have been somewhere around Parasite for all I know. Yeah, it might have been Parasite. Yeah, but so... A movie that we already mentioned in this episode, um, unless it didn't make it into the edit, is Park Chan-wook's classic revenge horror movie? Revenge horror? Revenge yeah, thriller? Yeah, revenge thriller. Revenge action? Yeah. We'll just say revenge film. It is the best revenge film. One of the best revenge films. Oh, I think it's the best revenge film I've ever seen. Oh, boy. Is gracing cinemas for its 25th anniversary. Which sounds crazy, but it was like the late nineties when it came out. Yeah. So ninety Ooh, why I should look that up. I should have looked it up before. Anyways, but Old Boy is coming back to cinemas and we've been kind of oh wait, no, it's its twentieth anniversary because it was two thousand three. Ooh. Thank God. I don't feel I'm five years younger than I thought I was. Um yeah, so Park Chan Wook's classic Old Boy is coming back to cinemas for a limited showing on August 18th is when it starts, I believe. 17th, I think, because it was like Thursday. 17th. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I think you're right. And so it's the anniversary. They're also re-editing it. And I do believe eventually it's coming on Apple TV because Apple TV says, coming soon. So I do think that eventually it will come there. But I don't know the date on that one. Um, but we were kind of like planning to watch it if we could if it came to our cinema. And luckily, Sidewalk Cinema, which is where we saw Barbie, is showing it. But they just announced it, like, literally last week. So we were very on the fence of whether or not we could do it. But the good news is we'll be able to record a sidetrack next week. So we'll still have sidetracks. And then our friend Dalton should be joining us. You guys remember Dalton? We love Dalton. They're amazing. And they should be able to join us um, on the next week's episode. So the next full review episode, we'll get to finally do Old Boy, Yay. which I guess is kind of I will I will take it as my pick because because if I didn't pick it, Brit would one of us would have picked it because I'm just happy because it has not been streaming the entire time we've had the podcast, and I guess that's because they were refinishing it, re-editing it. There's a, restoring it, I should yeah. say. They were restoring it. Uh, luckily, I'm very excited that we're doing Old Boy. I bet you are, oh, too, yeah. it's I love this movie. I got to see it on IFC Independent Film Channel, uh, probably when I was 16 or 17, and it did change my life. That's no exaggeration, so. It's the movie that got me to start watching Korean cinema. I watched it, uh, you know, it was on everybody's list of, like, 
underrated classics and fantastic movies. And I feel like your moviesucks.org was the one I found out about it through. And so I, it was streaming on Shutter. It's the reason I have a Shutter subscription too. And I was like, oh, I'm getting the Shutter subscription so I can watch it. But I watched it and it made me like realize like I need to check out Korean cinema. And then Parasite and a few other movies came out and I watched them and I was just like, wow. Like, I really like Korean cinema. And it really also, I feel like, is one of the movies that got me to watch a lot more foreign films. And if you're able to see it, AMC Theaters, I do believe, is participating in the theatrical release of the 20th anniversary version, the restored version. However, if you can't get that, I do, like I said, I do think Apple TV Plus is eventually going to have it. I just don't know the time frame for that. I haven't, it hasn't, when I looked it up, it hasn't been announced, but... I hope you get to see it uh, that way because it is, I think it's a masterpiece. We'll see. I haven't gotten to watch it in several years. And don't, don't look up any plot before you watch it because it will completely ruin the movie for you. So, um, yeah, I think that's all I have to say about that. I hope you all have a great week. Brittany, thank you for being an amazing host as always. Thank you for putting up with my brain tonight. Um, and we both have dogs that have just decided to implode this week. So forgive us if we don't sound the most peppy in our step this week, (laughs) but be careful out there. It's still really hot. And I don't know about y'all, but in the South, there have been like a lot of thunderstorms and some of them have been super dangerous. So just keep an eye on those pop-up storms and the weather because some of them are moving real fast, but doing a lot of damage too. So just be careful and take care of each other. And I know there's some special elections coming up in the next few months. So make sure you vote and register and um, just be kind to one another if you can be. And watch some spooky movies. And thank you for listening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stay stay cool. Wear your sunscreen. Uh, spay and neuter your fur, fur yes. babies. Uh, there is still a epidemic of homeless animals and it breaks my heart every time I see them. Oh my god. So yeah, guys, please spay the neuter. And if you can play up your home foster, not everyone can, but if you can, that's great. So yeah, stay cool. Maybe Katie brought the Storms Unplug Electronics if you think about it. It's always a good thing. Um, we love you guys. Uh, take care. It's a good idea. Yep. Take care of yourselves and each other. We look forward to seeing you next time. Same spooky time, same spooky channel. Stay spooky, y'all. Bye. Bye. Good good night, night, everybody.
The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.